ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official source of Somos Mas NM and your source for the latest news on New Mexico United and the USL Championship. My name, of course, is Seth. Thank you guys so much for being here as you are each and every week. Joining me tonight here live on YouTube, the one and only Jacob Terrell. Jacob, how are you tonight? Going good, Seth. Going good. Ready for, for match week one, man. I was about to say, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I sure am ready. I know you are as I pretty I was pretty sure you were as well. And if Earl was with us, Earl, Earl would probably be saying the same thing. Uh so much to get to this week. But uh, you know, I normally do a burning question. I don't have anything off the top of my head. So uh I think we're just gonna have to skip that this week, get right into our discussion. I know it's just there's a lot going on. Can I have one for you? Yeah, absolutely. So we saw our last preseason game, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit. It's kind of hard to talk when we don't have uh, videos or anything to really go off of, just a scoreline. But yeah, and that's <laughs> something that we're going to discuss here. I, I but what a scoreline that was! <laughs> so, of course, it was against Phoenix. Coming up Friday, Phoenix opens their new stadium on ESPN two against San Diego Loyal. Who wins that match? Phoenix. You think so? I think so. Um, I We haven't seen too much of San Diego this preseason. I know that they won their last couple of matches, but they were against like Azusa and another, uh, another small, small club. So it's hard to really put too much into that. I have to, I'd have to go back and look and see who exactly San Diego played in their other preseason matches. But at this point, I, I think, Phoenix is the better squad at this point in the season, just from what I know. And so I think that Phoenix is going to have, uh, have a slight advantage over there, especially at their new stadium. They're going to want to make a statement. And I think coming off of a, uh, a four nil loss to, to us in the preseason, they're going to be a little bit pissed off and they're going to want to, you know, make a comeback, so to speak. Sam, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to make of it because I mean, you mentioned San Diego's preseason, and it's it's kind of hard to to not mention that, but then turn around and fault Phoenix for their lack of quality this preseason, uh, especially the last two weeks with the four 0 loss to us and a three 0 or three one loss to Colorado Springs. Um, now both of those were the first match uh, they did. Phoenix did it a little weird the last two weeks where they did two preseason matches in the same day. They would play in, in the morning and they would play in the evening. Um, so it's kind of hard to see what to take. I, I don't know how to take all that. And of course, in the evening matches, they came out and handled business against smaller teams, but against the USL side for preseason, they, they did not look good. Um, and, and I'm basing this off of score lines for one. And then also interviews with Rick Chance that I've seen after each of those games and kind of his attitude towards how his team played. So so I'm a little leery of it. And then I'm also pretty high on San Diego as a team anyways. So just to be different, I'll go San Diego. I, you know, they're both talented teams. I know Landon Donovan had his squad in a, in a pretty good shape last year. And we all know, of course, you know how they missed out on the playoffs. And so I think it's going to be a good match. 
uh, it'll be interesting to see just what exactly these two teams are, are out there doing in their openers. And outside of United, it is one that I am going to be watching this weekend. Uh, and that's something that we should talk about here in a little while too. You know, what matches from this week? I know we had, I know technically opening weekend was last weekend, but there are going to be far, far many more matches coming up this uh, this coming week. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We should probably, I said, I think we'll pick a, we'll each pick a, a match or two uh, that we should uh, take a look at. Um, yeah, uh, I can do that for sure. Did you watch right. either of the matches last weekend? I did not, unfortunately. Um, between uh, just between stuff here at the house and whatnot, you know, just didn't have the opportunity to do it. So um, I know that. Uh, let me see. I'm gonna pull those up here real quick. I don't even remember what happened. It was it was loose. Loose City beat your your farm team. Yes, um, fairly handily. The first half was close. I watched the for all of the first half, and then you guys scored. Or Louisville scored a couple goals, and I stopped watching. And then yeah, um, it ended up being a two nil, I believe. Yeah, I think I, I stopped watching after the first one because it really wasn't close in the first half. Well, the first half was decent. Then the second half started, and it was kind of all Louisville. And then Louisville finally scored, and it was still just all Louisville. And then in the other game, FC Tulsa blanked OKC Energy three zero, I believe. Oh, did they, did they, they, oh, that's right. They did score one. So, so at the end of the day, it was two semi-boring matches, both of which were in the East, um, with only one of the teams, one of those teams we're going to play, the other three we are not. So, but, but that team was in the news, and I don't know if you want to start there or if you had an order that you wanted to start with. Uh, or if uh, yeah. you even had this one down, but uh, John Hackworth, who's been with them for four years, I want to say, um, him and the club mutually decided to part ways. Uh, and as far as I can see, there's still no concrete reason why. There's a lot of speculation out there about him getting hired to an MLS job, specifically Charlotte FC, uh, who comes into the league next year. But nothing has been formally announced, and nobody really knows anything. So it's it's a very weird situation coming off the heels of Oakland letting go of their coach the week before their regular season started. So a couple of interesting things going on in the USL championship world. Yeah, the timing of these coaching moves is really interesting. You look at Louisville, who had just played their first match, and you know you mentioned Hackworth leaving. Uh, he, he led them to the championship in 2018 and let's see, and they made, yeah, they won the USL championship 2018, went to the final again in 2019 and made it to the Eastern conference finals in 2020, which obviously we know there was no USL championship, uh, uh, trophy last year. So this was really surprising to me. Number one, the timing of it, like, like I mentioned, you've already, you're already matching the season. And your coach decides to move. Now, I, I too have heard that there are rumors that he could be going to the new MLS club out in Charlotte. But at the same time, it's like they're not even slated to begin play until next season. So just the timing of it is extremely odd to me. Well, so normally, like like if you look at what New Mexico United did, you know, Troy was announced 
about a year before they started their season, the about a year before we started playing actual matches. So, so you want that coach in place with plenty of time to work on the roster, or at least have some say in the roster and, and, and get his staff together and whatnot. So, so that part of it kind of made sense to me as to why, as far as the, the time between now and when Charlotte FC is supposed to play their first match. What doesn't make sense is how did that deal not get done even sooner to where Louisville City doesn't play a match and then lose their coach? Yeah, that's just it's just really odd. Uh, yeah. I mean, from our experience with, with the NFL, with NCAA, with you know other leagues, I mean, coaches get fired and hired all the time, but yeah, it's just so strange. You know, why couldn't that, you know, again, you, you said it, I think you said it appropriately. Why couldn't this have been finalized, you know, a month ago or, you know, three weeks ago before, again, before the season started. And now you got this disruption here one weekend. I, who knows how that's going to affect Louisville. I, now I think that their, their interim coach, Danny Cruz, uh, has been with the club for quite some time. Yeah, it says uh, he joined here the, in 2018, uh, where he also served as the technical director. So, kind of like kind of kind of like Troy, kind of similar to Troy and how he's going to take a, take charge of the club here. Take, no, I'm sorry, take charge of the club there. It'll, I just I don't know. I don't know how much influence he had on a day to day basis out there in Louisville. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the season. We of course do face Louisville um, in October. Uh, hopefully October by then 3. they'll have everything. Yeah, October third. Hopefully they have everything sorted by then, and they have a better idea of what they're going to do from a club perspective. Um, so yeah, I don't. Know. And, and, and that's just as strange as the Oakland Roots one, like you mentioned. You know, the Oakland Roots parted ways with uh, Dario Pot uh, just a few days ago. You know, just but I mean, their season kicks off this week, and so we we have two USL clubs less than a week into the season who have lost their head coaches. And again, in this, in this scenario, there's no reasoning given. That's just that they mutually agreed to part ways. And yeah, the pot statement, pot statement too, made this is another thing that made this one extremely weird for me. This has been a unique learning experience, which I am thankful for. Pot said in the statement, I wish all the staff and players an exciting and positive season and beyond. Thank you. I mean, to me, that's like Marshawn Lynch question, you know, question and answer, you know, I'm just here to play football. Yeah. Or I'm just here so I don't get fined. You know, it's, it's, it's so strange to me. So Oakland actually doesn't start till May 8th. Um, so they have a little bit more time. It doesn't really change my opinion on the weirdness of this firing. Um, and then with both of them, what what's really weird, they're, they're two completely separate things in my head because on one side you have a team coming in. It's first year in, this, in the league. Um, we don't know anything about this guy hardly uh, since we're not in Oakland and we don't follow that club well. Um, we know that we have a couple players over there that used to play for us that, um, I don't know how much of an influence he had on that or anything like that. So 
him getting fired while weird in the timing aspect, I can't speak to him being a successful coach in the league and leaving for whatever reason. Whereas on the other side, you have John Hackworth, who's been there, been there and been successful for four or five years and played a match Friday or Saturday or coached a match on Saturday. And then now he's all of a sudden gone. And then with the both of them, it's really strange. Just the lack of, of reasoning behind either one of them. So hopefully maybe, maybe by this time next week, we'll be able to come on and and talk more about it and, and go from there. But at the moment it's like, okay, um, I guess, I guess we'll see. I, I don't think Louisville really loses a step. Um, I think Cruz from, obviously I don't follow that club very religiously. So in reading what followers of that club have said and people closer to the club have said, he's been very involved from the get-go anyways, not just in the technical director side, but actually on the pitch as well. So, so I think he's going to slot in there nicely and, and do a good job. And they, they're a very talented club. So the Oakland one is the one that who knows how that's going to affect them. I thought they had a chance to be uh, feisty over there in a very tough Pacific division. But now I'm like, sorry, Salil and Ben, um, you, you guys might be fighting an uphill battle this first year. Now I know that Oakland hasn't necessarily had a great preseason. And we know that coaches tend to get fired when, you know, about, you know, when, when partway through the regular season, things aren't going as, <coughs> as everyone would have liked. Uh, do you think poor preseason results is a valid reason to, to fire a coach? Or do you think there's something more going on beh- behind the scenes or maybe, you know, the announcement of Marshawn Lynch coming in, maybe, he, maybe he had something to do with this. I mean, to answer the first question, no, if if you're poor preseason results before you've ever played a regular season match in the USL championship, if if you if he gets fired because of that, you are looking to fire him long before that, and you're just using this as an excuse. Uh so if that's the case, shame on you for not just firing him earlier and trying to find the head coach to get you through the preseason and into the regular season. So it might be Marshawn Lynch. It might be something going on behind the scenes. I don't know. It's just, it's a weird situation that I think news will come out on eventually. Just nothing yet. Yeah. So again, going to be a whole bunch of hurry up, wait and see, and uh, we'll see what happens with these two clubs as their season progresses. Hopefully they, they find a coach sooner rather than later. And again, that's going to be another transition for those clubs if, once they do find someone. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with either of these? Again, it's just kind of a weird situation, and we just we just don't know what's going to happen. So um, moving right along to our next bit of news, we touched on it just a little bit ago. New Mexico United did have their final preseason match of the 2021 campaign this past weekend over in Phoenix at their, I believe at their brand new stadium. Uh, now this match wasn't televised in any manner. They didn't have anything going on on their, on their 
own YouTube page, their Twitter, anything like that. Um, we know that New Mexico United has been pretty good about showing their preseason matches, or at least, you know, doing the best that they can. We know that our last home one wasn't televised, but the two prior to that were broadcast um, or live streamed. Do you think that there was anything to this, or maybe they just didn't have the have the infrastructure ready to go for that match? I don't, I don't, if we talk, I text you right before the match started and thought, and Phoenix is going to black everything out on us because they hadn't mentioned it in the you know, on their Twitter on any other social media. You know, we didn't. There was nothing, nothing announced at all. And then, so I thought maybe they weren't going to do anything. They did end up live tweeting it, um, which when you have a home club live tweeting and you beat them four nil, um, it makes for a very sad. Twitter, um, and, and it's it makes me laugh just a little bit. So, but no, I don't. I, from what I've seen, you know, most, almost all the USL clubs for preseason have have either have both been closed to where they don't allow their fans in, and not on TV to where nobody can watch it. So, uh, we've been lucky that we've been able to go. You've been to two matches. Two of our matches, I went to one. Earl went to one. Uh, we watched. We watched one good one, and then the other one, the broadcast was a little shaky, so it was a little hard to see. But still, got to watch it a little bit, and and then they had fans in there, so that's pretty rare for the USL Championship, I think. And so, I, I don't take anything from it. I don't think they were trying to play any games or anything like that. It's just. It's just not something that a lot of teams do. Yeah, that very well could be the case. And I think you are actually right there, but I just think it's kind of weird. I mean, unless they are, and unless they were in fact, you know, waiting to showcase the, the new stadium this weekend with the opening match of the regular season, I can't think of any other reason to not broadcast something, especially when they are rival clubs. You know, this is probably the best, gauge of the preseason of how these two clubs have been doing and at what point in their fitness and match readiness they are heading into the regular season. I mean, I just, I can't think of any other reason to not show it. And I think it's money. I think I, part of it's money. And I think part of it is like you said, I, I do think that they want, they want this Friday on ESPN two to be, Hey, Look at us. We've got a new stadium. We're still one of the best teams in the league. Shine the lights bright on Friday night and let's let's go. Um, and then but I, I think a lot of it is I think part of it's why United didn't broadcast the third match and why United didn't plan on broadcasting any of them was because you gotta pay those people to broadcast the match. Like it's especially the first match they broadcast, it was an iPhone on Facebook, Twitter, and all that live. Um, and it was in the back on a tripod in the back of one of the employees' trucks. So um, not the highest production quality there. And then, then you have Tyler and many broadcasting it, and they work for the club. So it's not – they were going to get paid that day regardless, I'm assuming. 
so then you go to the the next match where they broadcast it. They pay. I don't know if they pay. I don't know how much they paid, but they paid the broadcasting crew that does the normal matches to broadcast this one. And it's probably something that they weren't planning on doing, and not a lot of Cubs plan on putting out that money to do that. So even if you're Phoenix and you're very successful and you have have some money to spend, I don't think that's high on their priority list of things to spend it on in the preseason. Yeah, that's a good point. I just, I look at it from the perspective of number one, you've got clubs that, well, in our case, we hadn't seen United in over a year here at home for, for one. And two, you've got other clubs, you know, who you're trying to get back again. You're, you know, for Phoenix's, for Phoenix's, what you're trying to show off the new stadium. I think for United, when you've got that broadcast coming in, you've got the crew and all that. Yes, they're going to have to pay them. Yes, you have to, have to take care of that. But I think a lot of that might have been taken care of. I say the the sponsors. You know, TLC was a presenting sponsor of, of it. So I would think that whatever sponsorship money came in from TLC would have helped cover that. So really, out of pocket for the club may not necessarily have been, you know, a, a detriment. It may not have been a, a stopping point of that. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. That is a good point, but we don't know what Phoenix's situation is with sponsors or San Diego's situation is with sponsors and, and Phoenix doing two matches on the same day. Um, you know, how do they, do they broadcast them both? Do they not broadcast the second one? Do they not broadcast the first one? Decisions that decisions that they'd have to make that I think might've just been easier to say, yeah, we're just not going to worry about it at all. Um, and I, I'm upset that they didn't, obviously, because I would have loved to have seen that four nothing scoreline uh, and what it actually looked like. Because because you can have a four nothing scoreline and it it be pretty close, all things considered. And from what I've seen of this one, from what um, I've heard Kalen and and Bruce say after the match uh, last night on United Sessions, and then what I saw from Rick Chance, it seems like neither team was, was super crisp at times. Um, it's just United were able to just slot home some chances that they had. And then, and then some sloppy play in the second half from Phoenix led to at least one of the goals, uh, the last one for sure. But, um, but we didn't talk about who scored there. And, and I think it, it's, it's hard to look at preseason matches and, and dictate a lot. I mean, last year we saw Sammy Sergi have a preseason for the ages and scored, I think, in almost every match. Um, and then got to the preseason or to the regular season, and I don't think he scored a single goal. Um, now, part of that was Sammy ended up having some health issues and didn't play a whole lot, but you never really know. But I, I look at I look at this last this preseason as a whole. And I look at the new additions that we made and the the old guys that we've that we've had step up. And I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine different names that contributed either goals or assists. I've got Devin Sandoval with two goals and an assist. Amando Moreno, three goals and an assist. Cello Martinez, three goals and an assist. Harry Swartz, two goals and an assist. Suggs, a goal and an assist. Schmidt, a goal. 
Brian Brown, two goals and an assist. Illich, an assist. And Daniel Bruce, two assists. Like, that's that's a lot of production from a lot of different people. Including both new guys and old guys there. And I, the one that sticks out to me is Cello. You know, we get Cello from, from RGV, who we'll talk about here coming up. Uh, as we preview that first match. And, you know, when the club announced him, he was set piece master and, um, you know, USL tactics on Twitter had him replacing Tanari as like a defensive mid in, in more open play. And then the dude has come out and scored two goals in open play, scored on a free kick uh, that we didn't get to see because it was this Phoenix match, but, it was a free kick that he scored on, um, has had an assist. So from from a corner kick, he had an assist. So it's, you kind of knew those set pieces and and free kicks and stuff, he was going to be dangerous, but, but to see three goals and an assist, two of the goals coming in open play, kind of opened my eyes to, you know, if he, if he say he was going to step in for Tanari in that role, Tanari never gave us those offensive numbers at all. So I think we see him and Tanari on the pitch a lot together. So that's not going to be the case. But but I really liked seeing his name on there. And then I did call. So he scored. Cello scored a goal. Brown scored two goals. And Schwartz scored a goal uh, with an assist from Brucey there. So I, I did say that I thought Brown would get off the schneid and he did. Um, so I'm hoping he can carry that into the regular season as well. And I can't wait to see what this starting lineup is going to be Saturday for our first regular season match. Cause to me, if you were to ask me to predict it, I would have no idea looking at, looking at the production that we've gotten all preseason. Yeah. You, you talked about it a lot, especially when we were down there at Mesa del Sol a couple of weeks ago, talking about how important it was for Brian Brown to, to get that first goal of the preseason. And here in this final match, he, he got two in the second half, uh, which I think is, just, which is huge for him. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about it a lot. He was the last guy into camp. He at times seemed like as though he was just, his timing was just slightly off. Like he wasn't a hundred percent there. Um, but it looks like something might have finally started to finally click in this last preseason yeah. match. And when we could see him, you know, we'd watch him, and when he would get the ball at his feet, he was a maestro over there. He was doing some great things and getting chances and setting people up for chances. I think he needed that. I think we'd be having a completely different discussion about him had Brucey passed him that ball in the second home preseason match when we played Colorado Springs. If Brucey uh, squares that ball across and Brown has a tap in right there, and then he still has the the FC Tulsa and the Phoenix match to really get going, I think we're looking at that and maybe he's got three or four goals. Maybe he's already maybe he led the preseason, led the team in scoring during the preseason and it could be a completely different conversation. But now that he did get a from what I understand, it was a nice pass from Sandoval that set him up. So it sounds to me like it was a, a nice pass, set him up for a wide open net. And then his other one, it was a turnover. He intercepted a pass and 
from a sloppy play on the back end and probably was one-on-one against the keeper. And, and if you're one-on-one against the keeper in this league, you should finish that 90% of the time. So hopefully that gets him going and we see, we see him get more chemistry with some of these other players and, and see what kind of running goes on. I, I threw it out there that he was going to lead the team in goals uh, when we signed him. And I still think that could be the case. And if he leads the team in goals and we're scoring a lot of goals, who knows, maybe we got a golden boot winner possibility there. Yeah, that would be fun. I know we came close a couple of years ago, or at least Semi-close, we had, yeah. uh, yeah, Kevin he was in the running. Asante both. He, yeah, they were running for a while. And then, uh, yeah, and then they fell Asante out. Samuel just, or Solomon Asante, I should say, not Asante Sam. Solomon Asante just kind of ran yeah. away with it that year. Um, so, wrong but, football, yeah, it, wrong it would have been really nice to see. <laughs> it would have been really nice to see the, this final match and see what the guys look like. You know, we've both been impressed with what we've seen so far. Um, we got the club. It looks very attack-minded. The guys look very fluid. And when, they, when they're on, they're on. You know, we just got to hope that they avoid those those moments and uh, periods of play where they're, they're just kind of like switch off, you know, hopefully. So hopefully they figure that out, you know, beginning right. Like the so first, I'd say opening 10 minutes of each half, basically, you know, just make yeah. sure they're, they're switched on there instead of having well, to play so, into the match. So usually I, I, I'd have to go back and look, but it feels like every third game or so we score in the first 10 minutes. Like it doesn't feel like we have that slow step to start the match, but definitely to start that second half, it, it seems like that haunts us. But about about the Phoenix match, you know, one thing that I, I can't really tell how much of a difference it made, but all I can do, all I can look at is say we didn't give up a goal, and Kalen Ryden played center back for us. So I I mentioned um, Schmidt giving up a couple goals um, in the FC Tucson and the Colorado Springs match. And and me saying that I don't think those goals happen if if Kalen's in there. And who knows? Maybe there just wasn't an opportunity that that would have happened, even if Schmidt was in there. But I look at it and I see Kalen, Kalen in there. We don't give up a goal against a Phoenix team that is dangerous. And it's, it's not like these guys started scrubs. Like Asante started, Dadashov started. Moir started, Lambert started, like especially on the opposite side of the ball, they had they had their A team out there. So um, I, I'm excited by that zero almost as much as I am about the four in that scoreline. Yeah, yeah, it, that zero is uh, that zero is important. It really is. It, anytime you can hold a club to, especially a club as good as Phoenix is. If you can hold them goalless, you've got a pretty good chance to walk away with three points. You know, and and yes, the four goals is fantastic to see. We've seen seven goals in the past two matches, which which is great. Um, defensively, we played pretty well the, this preseason. Uh, now that's that's not without the issues, you know, without a few issues here and there. Um, but I mean, yeah, outside of you know after losing the first two matches to El Paso and Colorado uh, Rapids, that is not switchbacks United went on a four match run and picked up wins in all of them, allowing they allowed four goals in four matches, which, you know, by any account, four yeah, I take that four matches. You're in pretty good shape to, mm-hmm. to walk away with, you know, I'd say, you know, nine to 12 points out of those. So. 
And then when you give up four and you score 13, um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good recipe right there. That's, that's going to lead to, to some wins for sure. And that's exactly what they did. And, and yes, it's preseason. We take it all with a grain of salt. It's not, um, they, they don't count just yet, but it has to be encouraging for us. And then, um, on Twitter, uh, you gotta love Twitter, right? Uh, Twitter is a place for Phoenix fans and El Paso fans to, to be boisterous and loud. And, and of course we've got uh, a couple, a couple Phoenix fans that we know are loud on there. And, and I, I asked one of them after some banter, I asked one of them, I said, look, I get that it's preseason and it doesn't officially count, but you've got to be kind of concerned about, about this scoreline and, and the way your team looks this preseason. And I got back crickets. So even if, even if they don't count, they still matter to an extent, especially for the fan base, especially for a fan base that hasn't had soccer to look at for months and is dying for this season to get started. You know, preseason's all we have to go off right now. So I'm intrigued by what we've got going on. It's It looks really good to me. I think starting off your season with with RGV and then El Paso, granted both of them are on the road, but hey, what else is new for New Mexico United? So um, we're going to hopefully pick up right where we left off the preseason and and score some goals and, and give up very few and, and get a couple Ws and come back to the lab on the 15th with six points in hand. And believe us, Phoenix fans, this is not us taking the UCF route saying we are national champions. Uh, we are not you know, claiming that at all. But yeah, you, you have to think that there are there's something worth looking at. You know, like, like you said, for, is a 4-0 win con, loss concerning in the preseason, especially this late. Uh, I think from a from a neutral from an objective observer position here, if you lose 4-0 at any point you have to take a look at what's going on. Now, I don't know what they've, I haven't looked to see what they did in their other preseason matches, but yeah, if you lose, if you lose four nil that you have to look at something, even if you win four nil, you have to look at something, you know, well, really anytime you can see the goal, you have to look, you know, why did we concede that goal? What can we do better about that? So I, I think for these coaches, there's always going to be something to look at. Now, how concerning it is, I you know I can't say. Again, I haven't seen much of Phoenix's preseason. I don't know what their other how their other matches have gone, but I think there's something worth looking at just based on that result. Yeah, I I think you have to look at that. Like, so with Phoenix, the only thing that I know is so Phoenix played played the night, the same night they played us. They played a a much smaller club. And they played a much smaller club and they handled them three, one, I think, or something. It was a decent, it wasn't a blowout, but it was a decent win last week. Uh, well, the week before they played us, they played Colorado Springs in the morning. They lost to them three to one. This is the came same Colorado Springs team that the week before that we beat them four to two. Um, and then they did play another lower league club that night and they won like five or six to nothing but it's against a lower league club. So it's kind of hard to take all of it into account and see what's going on there. All I know is that from a United, from a New Mexico United perspective, 
to win four matches in a row at any time, if it's preseason or not, is good. To give up four goals in those four preseason matches is better. And to score 13 goals in those four preseason matches is awesome. So no matter what, you're playing good soccer. You, I think United just has to carry that into the RGB match coming up, whereas Phoenix is going to have to find it coming into the San Diego match coming up. And I think carrying it over and finding it are two completely different things. And carrying it over is much easier to do than trying to find your... They talk about it in other sports all the time. They talked about it with, with uh, in basketball a lot with LeBron James teams. You know, they say they've got a switch and they flip the switch during the playoffs. Yeah, that's fine and dandy if you're LeBron James and one of the greatest ever to play the game. Solomon Asante, while great, is not one of the greatest ever to play the game. And Phoenix, while great, is not one of the greatest teams ever to play the game. So flipping a switch, especially when I think your competition is getting closer and closer to you in terms of talent every year, it's it's not going to be easy enough to just flip the switch and run away from everybody like they did a couple years ago. So it's going to be interesting to see. I I think they struggle coming out of the gate personally. I, I still think they're going to be one of the best clubs. I still think they finish first or second in their division. I just don't see them being world beaters right off the bat. Whereas on the other hand, you know, I would, I would be disappointed with anything, anything worse than a three, one loss or three, one win, sorry, against RGV. If we don't come out and beat RGV by two goals, I'm going to be a little upset. If we allow more than a goal, I'm going to be a little bit upset. Well, before we get into the RGV uh, segue you have there, which which is fantastic, by the way, I love that that segue there. Um, there is one other thing I wanted to bring up before we get into uh, RGV and New Mexico United specific news. This week, uh, five thirty eight, uh, as many people know, who five thirty eight is typically uh, known for their political coverage or political predictions, things like that. Five thirty eight also does World Club Soccer rankings. They also do. Uh, playoff predictors and things like that. They do they everything. They do everything on a statistical statistical basis, from politics to sports to picking which flavor of Eminem is the best. I don't know. They, <laughs> if they can put numbers to it, they they cover it in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, that that is true. Um, you know, you can't go wrong with uh, statistical data on which Eminem flavor is the best, but. Uh, as far as their soccer coverage, they put out their predictions for the USL championship for this season. And surprise, surprise, Phoenix Rising is their favorite as of, at the preseason to win the championship once again with a 17% likelihood of winning the final. They are followed by San Antonio, Tampa Bay, Loose City, Orange County, Sacramento, Indy 11, Pittsburgh, Birmingham, San Diego, Loyal, El Paso, and New Mexico. Those that is uh, five thirty eight's top top twelve clubs uh, of the preseason. Um, do you take umbrage with any of this? Now I know that I think it was you that sent it in the group text the other day. Um, I think it was USL Pony and some other guys gave their predictions uh, as far as who they're or the, I guess they rank their top ten clubs. And I know some of them left United out. Some left San Antonio, which was which surprised me. Uh, San Antonio wasn't it wasn't mentioned in some of those, but some of them did have 
uh, SL did have Salt Lake and Colorado Springs. Now that just blew my mind. But um, as far as these preseason, you know, predictors and top tens, do you think, do you take umbrage with any of them? Um, so here's the thing about 538. They use strictly numbers. They don't, they don't watch any of these matches. They don't know any of these clubs. So, so they look at last year and they see Phoenix rising as, as one of the best teams last year. They count consistency over several years. So it's no wonder San Antonio or Phoenix is, is up there at the top. The San Antonio one absolutely shocks me that they are that high. If you talk to anybody that covers the league, they, they don't have San Antonio. They, most people have El Paso or us finishing ahead of San Antonio. So having San Antonio that high, just strictly based on numbers, I don't, I don't know what numbers they're looking at to have them ahead of Tampa Bay and Louisville city. I don't understand, but, um, for the most part, that <clears throat> that snapshot of clubs that that's there, those top eleven, you said one, two, three, uh, top twelve, twelve. Those twelve teams, I think, I look at and say, yeah, those are probably the twelve best teams in the league in some order. With, I, I don't know about San Antonio, which is their number two team, um, and then I think Tulsa and Charleston might be up there. And that makes a little bit, and they are there below us in their chart. So I look at these every year. I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. In fact, I kind of want to look and see if they have last year's somewhere to see how they actually fared. Like, was their top 10 really the top 10 in the league? And and I get that the this year and last year are kind of different because there's unbalanced schedules. You know, we're playing teams in our group four times and and whatnot but i don't know something just seems off about them sometimes with just using numbers so i don't pay too much attention to that the other one the screenshot that i did send was people that watched the league um and they had some drastically different teams in there like most of them did not have san antonio in their top 10 or had them in like the bottom half of their top 10. They all had Phoenix, Tampa Bay and Louisville uh, one, two, three in some way, shape or form, except for, for one guy, Phil grooms had Phoenix fourth, which I love you, Phil for that. Um, And then you, you look at Nicholas Murray, who on the USL website compared 538's winners for their for each division to Nicholas Murray's and even Nicholas Murray doesn't have San Antonio that high. So I don't know what's going on with San Antonio. It's the one that throws me off and I've been thinking about it ever since I first saw these. Yeah, I can't argue with these too much. Um San Antonio had a great year last year. Um, I mean, most of these clubs did, you know, Phoenix, obviously San Antonio, Tampa Bay, Lou city. Uh, honestly, I think Lou city is probably the favorite out of the East. That's just me. And I think Phoenix, I think I have to, I, you know, I have to put Phoenix at the top of, towards the top of my list as far as the West goes. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, 
it, it's tough. Again, I, we haven't seen a lot of these clubs. You know, we haven't seen the the Eastern Conference clubs in person, uh, other than watching you know, some replays on on ESPN Plus, and some of these other teams we haven't seen in two years. So it's really hard to put like even an eye test to these guys. Um, I have a hard time putting San Diego loyal above El Paso and maybe even us. Um, I honestly have a time putting Sacramento ahead of El Paso. If you're looking at just the Western conference clubs, but I, I don't think there's a lot of room for, I don't think there's a big margin of error here. I think this is going to be pretty, pretty close to how it finishes out. But we've got a long way to go. We've got a very long season. We've got a lot of matches to play. And I think it's going to be fun to see what happens as we get into it. Yeah, we, of course, we've got a lot a lot of time left and, and uh, a lot of soccer to be played. But you can call it the homer in me or you can look at other people who definitely aren't homer like USL st- USL tactics on Twitter who has New Mexico winning the group. Um, and he, he has no bias there. I don't believe he just has looked at what's going on and he likes the additions that we've made and, and he thinks that we're going to be pretty good there. So I think Nicholas had us third, Nicholas Murray had us third in our group, uh, behind El Paso and San Antonio, which can't argue with it too much. I think that it's going to be a bloodbath in our group though, between those three clubs, um, and, and possibly just us in El Paso if San Antonio doesn't figure things out. Um, so, so it's going to be, it's going to be a fun year. I can't wait for that. I would love to look back and see what exactly was said last year and the year before, uh, or look back when we get to the end of this year and look back at these, these, uh, club soccer predictions from 538 and see how accurate they were. Yeah, I wonder. I have to look and see if maybe there's a way to go back and look at the look at previous years. I think there might be, but I haven't looked too much into it. But I think that would be a lot of fun. Maybe it's something that we can get into uh, here at some point later in the season. Uh, take a look at that, see what it does. But for now, we've got some New Mexico United news. I know we've been talking. Well, we've really been talking about United the entire show so far, but some club specific news. It came out over the past couple of days that the Academy assigned two more players, Taylor Rogers and Micah Madrid, both uh, New Mexico natives, obviously. Uh, again, two more young players from local feeder uh, youth clubs. Uh, again, I think this is fantastic. I know that uh, Taylor was listed as a midfielder. I didn't catch what Micah was listed as, but uh, from what we've also seen in the Academy midfielder. so far, also midfielder, okay. Yeah. Uh, what we've seen from the Academy so far, uh, these kids are talented. I think they actually won a match the other day. Yes, they played Sunday. They won six to one. Six to um, one. That's right. Against uh, somebody else from New Mexico. I'm not sure exactly who it was, but yeah, they handled them. They handled them pretty easily. Oh, okay. I think it was uh, FC Grand. FC Grand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. FC Grand and the New Mexico United Academy squared off this past weekend. And of course the United Academy won six, one, uh, congratulations to those guys getting their first win under their belts. And yeah, it's going to be a long, long season for them. Can't wait to see what they do. And from again, for what we've seen so far, the, the one, the kids that we've seen, they look pretty good and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So, uh, next bit of news that came out is New Mexico United announced their three, 
captains for the year, the three player captains. Of course, their head captain is for the third year running Josh Suggs. The first vice captain for the second year uh, as uh, Devin Sandoval. And then Kalen Ryden was chosen by the rest of the team as second vice captain for the season. This, this of course, was his uh, first time being honored by the club. Congratulations to those guys. And the club put out a video where each of the guys gave, gave a speech. And, you know, it was very much a, a team atmosphere. And Troy said some things in there uh, that really kind of struck me because he said there are you know, multiple guys who got like you know six, seven, eight votes, uh, which is really interesting to see. And then the comments that came out were that basically, you know, any number of guys could have been elected captain and that everyone's got a voice. And, uh, what do you think about these selections as captains? Do you think these are deserved by these guys? Do you think there's anyone else that you think should be wearing the captain's armband at any point? Yeah, I think that um, Suggsy is obviously the captain of this team. I mean, you don't, you don't get elected captain for three years in a row and not have a reason for that. Um, and I think Devin's a great choice if, if Suggsy isn't out there and, and Kalen would be a great choice if either of them aren't out there, or if I think Kalen would be a great choice to just be the team captain period. So I don't think you can really go wrong with anybody on the team. I think, I think you could look at, um, Someone like Tanari, someone like like even Yearwood, I think, um, as far as who's going to be out there every game, uh, every match, and and who can who can deliver both on and off the pitch. But at the end of the day, uh, looking you look at this roster and you look at what this club kind of stands for, and those three guys, I don't I don't think you could pick three better guys to to represent the captaincy for, for us. Yeah. These are three guys that are very outspoken, very vocal in their leadership uh, and their direction on the pitch. Uh, you know, we hear Kalen, his voice just booms over everybody else when you're out there. And when you're out at Mesa del Sol with, you know, around 300 people and like Kalen is very, very vocal. And it's, it's fun to listen to him talk and, and uh, listen to how he directs, especially when he works with them with uh, younger kids. Uh, I think it's, it's fun to watch. And, you know, Josh is obviously, and Josh and Dev also well-deserved uh, veterans of the club, veterans of the USL. Josh, of course, comes into the season second all-time in minutes played. Um, so there's a lot of veteran leadership from these three guys. And I think it's something that's going to serve this club well going into this uh, season here. Yeah, I think that uh, it – Losing Cody, um, it will hurt not only on the pitch, obviously a little bit, but but his leadership and his captaincy that he had. Um, we saw him wear the arm band, I believe, both of the other seasons when when Josh was not out there, and then I believe last year Devin was the the third in command, so to speak. There, so losing him is a loss for sure. But I think if you lose him and you replace him with Kalen Ryden and Devin Sandoval. Um, I think you're in good hands there. And, and I, you know, you listen to these guys talk and, and it gets, you kind of, they kind of beat you over the head with it a lot of times with the, the culture of this club and the ethos as they, they said in the video a lot. And, and yeah, it can become cliche, but at the same time, is it cliche if it's true? Like you look at what this club represents and what they, 
what they practice or what they preach and the fact that they practice what they preach, like it, it's fun to watch and, and fun to see these guys um, be hardworking. What's, what's the three things for, for the, that coach always says, oh, I can't, can't think now, but um, you know, they, everybody embodies exactly what this club is, is supposed to embody. And when you have a roster of 20 people that do that, you, you're going to have good things come out of it. And then you saw, I don't know if you saw, um, Suggs had a, had a quote. I don't believe it. I can't remember if it was in that, that speech in that video or not, but, but he came out and he said, uh, that this was, I'm going to paraphrase until I can find it, but basically that this was the most talented club he's ever been a part of. And that's saying a lot. So here, here's the quote right here. This is the best team we've ever had. We're more competitive in every single position. There's no reason that this won't be our most successful season uh, coming straight from Captain Josh Suggs' mouth there. So um, I, I think I think he says that and believes it. And I think we all have kind of seen that and are starting to believe it ourselves. So I I think expectations will be a lot higher this year. I think they're always, they've always been kind of high, but this year, especially with the additions that we have and, and these captains and this whole, whole situation that we've got going on. If we don't do better than we did last year, I think everybody will be disappointed. I think a lot of the players will be disappointed if we don't get a cup, honestly. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. I think some some fans might be disappointed as well. But I mean, a, a cup is another major step forward for for this team, and and uh, a long long season ahead of us. Can't wait to get through it and see what happens. Hopefully, we do get that cup. But everything starts with a single step. Jacob, are you ready to talk RGV and opening weekend? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So as we mentioned, (laughs) T minus five days. Absolutely. As we talked about already, New Mexico United does kick off their regular season this Saturday, May 1st, down in RGV, take on the fighting Ron Patels, as Jacob likes to call them. And uh, it's going to be interesting. So RGV, of course, finished last season uh looking at the in the western conference standings in 16th out of 18 clubs now rgv also uh only played 14 matches last season and instead of the 16 that everyone else played except for us and a couple other clubs uh our our fifth our missing match was of course against rgv uh they finished pretty close to uh the wooden spoon level uh of uh of play with nine points from the 14 matches that they did play uh but looking at what they've done this season, you know, of course, Ron Patel who went over there last season, he now has a full season to work with the guys. They brought in some, some key players. Uh, they brought in Juan Cousin, Adrian Vera, Rodrigo Lopez, Tyler Derrich. Um, some really exciting players to bring that they brought in. Um, Tyler Derrich, of course, is uh Derek, of course, is a goalkeeper play for Houston Dynamo. Uh, he's going to be interesting to see how he does down at RGV. Um, he, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting um, to see what happens there. The, the, according to USL Championship and Nicholas Murray, they have RGV picked to finish sixth out of the seven clubs. And they're saying that uh, you're looking at 
you know, again, this is going to be a much changed side. A lot, a lot of these guys we haven't seen necessarily. And, and again, it's been two years since we've seen RGV anyway. Um, looking at the changes that they've made both in the front office and on the field, what do you think is going to be the biggest thing for RGV this season? Well, I think, I think it comes down to, to a couple things. One, um, the relationship with Houston Dynamo isn't nearly as hands-on as it was last year and the year before. So I don't think you'll see a bunch of roster moves or as many roster moves anyways throughout the season. You won't see as much up and down between the, the parent club and, and them. And, and then you look at the, the bringing back of, of one of their past head coaches in Wilmer Cabrera, um, who had success when he was there last time. Um, and I think he's going to bring a much different mentality to this club. Uh, that being said, I still don't expect them to be great. Um, I, I don't expect them to go on any sort of run. And and like I mentioned earlier, I expect I would be disappointed if we don't beat them pretty soundly uh, coming up on Saturday. But they uh, they have some new additions, like you mentioned. And and you know, they, I think they'll be feistier. I think they'll be in a lot more matches. I think. I think if they have nine points through 14 matches this year, I think they'll be disappointed. So I don't see that happening necessarily. I, I think they'll be a little more competitive than that, but um, they, I don't believe they'll be anywhere near the level that your Phoenix, El Paso, us, San Antonio type clubs are going to be. Do you think in years past that the, Houston Dynamo connection has been detrimental to them. And do you think that Houston taking a more hands-off approach this year or them modifying that developmental agreement with, uh, with the Dynamo, do you think that benefits them now more than it has in the past? Oh, for sure. I think it's really hard when you're, when you're a type two team or when you're a, an MLS two team, quote unquote, that is not ran properly it is really, really tough. And we heard grumblings that they were not happy with how they were being ran or how they were being used, however you want to put it, um, last year. And, you know, it's hard for you to to get in a rhythm with different players coming in and out. And so I, I, I'm not sure it'll be a better result in the short term. Like, I... I that they're not going to be, I don't think they're going to be very good, but I think they'll be more consistent and I think they'll put up a little bit more of a fight. Um, not having those players coming in and out and not having those issues that they had with Houston Dynamo the last couple of years. Do you think the issues with those types of development deals are more on the MLS? And you mentioned, you know, the, you mentioned RGV being used, so to speak, by by Dynamo. Is that more of a, 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 the fallout of the MLS system, or do you think it's something at the USL Championship level that needs to be sorted out by our clubs? I don't. I don't think it's a flaw necessarily. I just think that that the the MLS sides, like you look at Los Dos, you look at uh, Red Bulls tool to Atlanta. Two, you look at T two uh, up there in Portland, and and the, they use that for young players and almost young players specifically to 
to develop them, get them game reps, get them up to speed before they come up. Um, when you're looking at a Colorado Springs with their relationship with um, the Colorado Rapids last year or the year before, or both, I don't remember. And you look at RGV with the Houston Dynamo, it's more, hey, we're going to lend you some players to get them some playing time, but we don't know who until the week before. We don't know when. We don't know why. Um, so, so the MLS teams in those cases are using the USL club as something that benefits them in the MLS instead of, if you look at an independent club, they're trying to perform the best they can in the USL. Whereas the MLS sides don't really care how our Houston doesn't care how RGV does in the league. They don't care how the record is or anything like that. They just want their players to get some reps here and there. So it's hard to put a consistent lineup and assistance, consistent club out there and expect consistent results when the place that you're getting a lot of your players from doesn't care about them. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned something there that kind of sparked a thought. Um, do you think it's better for these young kids, or even some of these, you know, the veterans who might be coming off injury, to go to a club such as you know, in, in, in this instance, they would go down to RGV. Do you think it's better for them to be at a club where? They're so focused on development that they don't care about the outcomes and they're in a, they're in an atmosphere where losing is okay. Or do you think that they should be as losing is okay as long as they're developing or should they be in an atmosphere where they're promoting that winning attitude, that winning atmosphere? Right. Um, so I, one players don't like to lose no matter what the case is. So I don't think you're I don't think you look at it as the players are okay with losing it as long as they're developing. I think players want to win uh, no matter what level they're at or what's going on. I'm sure that they're working on things when they're trying to develop down there, but it doesn't seem to me if I was a player, I wouldn't be okay with going down to RGV, getting my butt spanked by New Mexico United or El Paso or something like that if it meant that I was getting playing time and supposedly getting better. I'm definitely a believer in, in a culture and a winning culture and sending my players down to somewhere like RGV in the last couple of years where it was a shit. So shit show source, so to speak. Um, I don't think that helps anybody out. I think it's hurting my, my prospects and RGV as a entity by itself, which basically to put it to put it simply if i was an mls team and i had two or three really good players that i'm trying to develop instead of having my own academy or my own my own usl two an mls2 team however you want to put it i think i would rather loan those guys out to phoenix loan them out to new mexico loan them out to El Paso, to Sacramento, to these clubs that are independent, trying to build a winning culture and, you know, get reps with players that are a higher caliber than, than like RGV players who, let's be honest, they're having 
they probably have like four or five guys on the club that that are USL championship worthy. And two of those might be MLS worthy at some point in their career. And then the rest are just names and bodies. So instead of having these two stud guys try to train with, with a bunch of, of Joe's I'd rather them be in, in New Mexico United place or a Phoenix place, which the thing with New Mexico United in that situation is, you know, we talked to Troy a lot about the roster and I mentioned it in media day before the first preseason match, you know, we only have 20 players on the roster. And I think the back line looks a little thin and, and think we might be adding some more. And I asked Troy, Hey, is this, is this the roster we can expect to see? Or are we looking to add a couple more players? And he said, no, this is basically it. We might look to add if the certain situation comes up. So, you know, if you're, if you're LAFC and you've got a player that you want to get high end reps, and you reach out to New Mexico United, New Mexico United might be like, yeah, that's not what we do. That's that's not what we're about. So it's kind of a, a difficult situation when you're looking at these independent clubs trying to raise a winning culture like we are. And then you look at MLS clubs trying to find a place where they can send guys to have that winning culture. Might not work in this situation. But I know that LAFC in particular has sent people to Phoenix and has played, have people played for Phoenix. Um, now I think they have Las Vegas lights, uh, and LAFC have a, have a agreement there to do something. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I still don't, even though your, your parent club quote unquote is the best team in MLS or one of the best two or three teams in MLS. I don't think that makes you the best USL team whatsoever. All right, one final question about RGV before we move on to New Mexico United and our match predictions. Where do you think RGV finishes this year? Well, you look at our group, and so we've mentioned us in El Paso and San Antonio several times. Um, so there's there's the top three right there, or, or three of the top four at least, uh, I think those three definitely make the playoffs in some way, shape, or form. And then you look past that, and I'm I'm really high on Austin. Um, they they made they almost made the playoffs last year. They've always been a pretty good team. They added a couple of of offensive pieces that I think they were missing. Uh, they did lose a a goalkeeper in Restrepo there that retired, but I I think they're going to be really not really good, but good. I think they're a playoff caliber team. Same with Colorado Springs. Um, I think they're going to be right there. So it really comes down to RGV and RSL, which is ironic that they're both tied to MLS clubs and, and not fully independent. So it's hard to say how their rosters are going to shake out. Um, I don't think RSL is going to be very good this year. You know, they lost... They've lost Ochoa, who started for the parent club um, just this past weekend and got into some trouble because he booted the ball into the Wonder Wall there in Minnesota. I don't know if you saw that, but it was entertaining. Um, basically, they won the match. He was excited. He The final whistle blew and the ball was in his hand anyways, so he turned around, booted it into the stands. Some Minnesota fans took umbrage to that. Um 
there was some barking and chirping and pushing and shoving. And then um, Adrian Heath, the Minnesota coach, who is hilarious in my head, says that uh, Ochoa talks a lot for a kid that isn't very good, which um, said that to the media, which is, <laughs> is always funny. Um, and, I, and I think he's wrong. I think Ochoa is good, but that's neither here nor there. But they don't have, RSL doesn't have Ochoa, or not RSL, uh, Real Monarchs doesn't have Ochoa. Mikhail Chang is, Michael Chang is gone. Uh, Douglas Martinez Jr. is gone. You know, they've lost a lot of players. Kalen Ryden left a couple of years ago. They're not the same club that won the USL championship back in 2019. So it's between them and RGV. I could see it going either way. I know Nicholas Murray had uh, RGV seventh and RSL, or sixth, I'm sorry, and RSL seventh. I could see that being the case, or I could see RGV being on the bottom. Uh, but for the sake of making Ron happy, I'll say he finishes not last and that RSL finishes below him. All right. Well, there you go. There's Jacob's prediction on where El Paso ends up this year. Ron's RGV. still not quite out of the, Yeah, sorry. RGV, I mean, maybe El Paso too, but you never know. Uh, where RGV ends up this year, uh, not quite out of the basement. Maybe next year, Ron. Uh, but we love you. We miss you. And uh, let's get you know, New Mexico United, our team here. We've seen a lot of these guys, definitely some improvement over the past four uh, weekends out in the, over the preseason. I mean, I look at this matchup on paper. I look at who we have. I look at just the eye test, what I've seen on the pitch so far. And I think you and I are both going to be in agreement here that New Mexico United fields the better squad. Yeah, by far. I'm, I've said it multiple times. If we don't win by at least two, I'll be disappointed. And if we give up more than two goals, I'll be disappointed. I, um, For where I see these teams at the end of the season, uh, I think if New Mexico United really wants to to show the, the league that they mean business, I think they want to come out and they want to put an exclamation mark on this on this first match. And and uh, I've said two goals would be anything less than that would be disappointing, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be bigger than that. And and uh, I think we see a repeat of last week, this past week's scoreline, albeit against a different club. But I think I think it's going to be four new. Four now, that's a big scoreline right there. Um, I mean, I, it's hard to go against that. It's really hard to disagree. Um, RGV just, they don't feel like they have enough for, to truly be competitive with, you know, I'd say that, you know, the big four in, in our division. Um, who gets on the score sheet first? Well, hold on, hold on. You just said a big four in our division. Who's your yeah. fourth? Is it Colorado or is it Austin? Or is it neither Austin. of those? Austin? Okay. Yeah. I'd say a big three, and then you've got a couple couple clubs there fighting. But, um, you know, I, I, the trick to that question is we need to know who's out there. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. That is man. true. I, I assume it'll be Dev and Moreno up top, and then, you know, Probably, I don't know how you not how you don't start Martinez in some way, shape, or form. So, and you know we haven't seen a whole lot of. We saw him there in the second half of that FC Tucson match, 
and then we saw him play with uh, with a lot of the academy kids is Sergio Rivas. But I think had you asked me before the preseason who our three midfielders are in that 5-3-2 or whatever you want to call it, 3-5-2, who those three central midfielders are, and I would have said Rivas, Tenari, and Guzman. Um, but now I think it's Tenari, Guzman, and, and Martinez uh, with the way Cello has been performing. I don't know how you don't start him. And then I think you've got Suggs and Harry on the wing as wingbacks. And then uh, Yearwood, Hamilton, Ryden, back three with Ryden there in the center. So if I'm going off that assumption that that is the starting lineup, I don't know how you don't say Amando Moreno uh, as the first goal scorer of 2021 for New Mexico United. Yeah, I think no matter how you look at it, it's a hard call. Really? It really is. You've got. I mean, we have talent top to bottom on this roster. And again, you mentioned it earlier. It's a, it is a small roster. You know, Troy typically runs very small. Um, but I mean, you've got guys who have performed pretty well all preseason. Now, I think there are a couple givens and in, in who starts. I think, you know, Kalen's a given. I think, I also think Brucey's a given. Um, really? I do. I really think he is. See, I, uh, I don't know about that because him and Swartz played the same position almost the whole preseason, or they played on opposite sides. But if you play them on opposite sides, that means Suggs isn't in there. And are you really not going to start the captain in in week one? So every time that we've seen Suggs out there, we've seen Harry start opposite him. And I know that it's preseason, um, and, and I know that Brucey has looked spectacular, but so is Harry. Harry's got two goals and two assists or two goals and an assist in this preseason. Um, and those are just the stats that I can keep track of when we scored in San Diego. It didn't give me who the assists were or anything like that. So I don't know who those came from, but I, and, and I think part of what makes Brucey a dynamic player when we've seen him this preseason is that it's because he's come off the bench at the 60, 65th minute and been able to just go balls to the wall for 25, 30 minutes and not have to worry about pacing himself. And we saw, we've kind of seen that with Brucey his whole career with New Mexico United. When he starts, he's not quite as effective as when he comes off the bench. So if, if I'm seeing that correctly and coaches seeing it that same way, I think you bring in, you start Harry and Suggs as those wingbacks. And then around the 60, 65th minute, Brucey comes on for Harry. Like we've been seeing this preseason and he provides Fred's that lightning threat off of that right back side. But um, I could see it either way. I don't think he's in the Kalen guaranteed camp is all I'm saying. I, I don't, I don't think there's very many people in that Kalen guaranteed place. I think, I think the back three are as close to being guarantees as anything else with Sam Yearwood and Ryden. And then I think Suggs on that one wing back side. And then after that, I don't know, dude. I would say Harry is closer to a lock than Brucey, but I could see it going either way, honestly. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just it's a tough call. And you know, it, it's I would hate to be Troy trying to put these team sheets together. Like I hate being us just trying to predict it, you know. Yeah, it's um, tough. If like if yeah. if we go with my lineup that I just said, 
That means you're leaving off Brian Brown. You're leaving off Ilya Illich. You're leaving off Michael Azira, Sergio Rivas, Daniel Bruce. Like those are five guys that would start for half of the other clubs in this league. Yeah. And we have them yeah. coming off all coming off the bench if we go with the lineup that I just said. And that's not even getting into who starts a goalie for us right now. Because <laughs> that's a whole yeah, that, other debate. That's a that is a huge question mark right there. We still have no idea who's gonna who's gonna play as our number one. Uh yeah, I think if I remember correctly, I think you said it was gonna you thought it was gonna be Phil. I, I do think, think it it's gonna be, be Phil. I, it's just it's tough, man. It really is. Like there's just so much. I mean, maybe they, maybe they, maybe they rotate. I don't know, but it's just one of those things. Like I think as far as, you know, like guaranteed spots in the, in the 11, I think the other two guys you have to look at as a guarantees is, is Mondo and cello. Like, I really think those two guys are going to be in there every week. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think Mondo is probably, I think you look at a Mondo, you look at Kalen, you look at Hamilton, you look at Yearwood and you look at Suggs. And I think those four or five are are the ones that I feel the most comfortable saying are going to start week one and probably going to start out of the 32 matches are going to start 25 of them, uh, barring health. Uh, But then after that, I, I think it'll probably be Dev for week one. But you look at what Brian Brown has done. And yeah, he's he's only scored two goals and they came in this last match, in the second half of this last match. But they they announced him as a signing that was going to break Twitter. I don't think you hype him up that much and you see him perform as good as he has and then you don't play him. So he's going to get time on the pitch come Saturday against RGV. It's just a matter of if he's out there to begin the match or not. But I, I do think it's Dev, but it, like you said, I don't want to be I don't want to be Coach Troy. And he mentioned that in the media day that I was at before preseason started, how he felt like he had the most pressure on him this year out of all the others because you know he's gonna have people upset with him and and it's gonna be hard to juggle all that stuff. But that's what happens when you have a small club full of all extremely talented people. You know, not everybody's going to get to play all the time. So he's going to have challenges out there and he's going to have decisions to make. And and we'll see how he goes with RGV in week one. Yeah, uh, you know, that's one of those things about, about, about football. You only have so many substitutions. I mean, yes, we're going to have, you know, five, but uh, potentially seven if you follow concussion protocol rules. I mean, yes, you could theoretically put a whole second team out there, but... Again, it's you know who do you start every single week, and that's going to be the tough part here with all of this. You know who gets off to a fast start, who 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 has momentum from the preseason that carries that over. There's so much to look at. You know, who gets the nod and goal? I think Alex and Philip both have great qualities about them. It's just a matter of who gets that nod, and I think no matter who's out there, they have to maintain the that that vocal capabilities that we've seen in the preseason that we've seen and heard, you know, Alex and, and Phil both talk a lot, you know, Phil yelling in German, which is <laughs> quite fun to listen to. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm dreading doing a preview this week and trying to predict who Troy's going to put out there. 
Well, so here's what I think we do. I think I think we get Earl in the text, and we all submit a a prediction for the starting lineup, and then whoever has the most correct wins something. We'll figure that part out. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but but okay. something maybe. Maybe if you win, we'll me and Earl will pitch in and we'll buy you a kit or <laughs> or, or something along those lines because because we got to get you some black and yellow somewhere in your wardrobe over there. Um, <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with the blue and gold, baby. Well, yeah. I was trying to think of a USL team that was blue and gold, and I can't. So you're lucky there. But <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I, I think every week we do that. And maybe so maybe that's what it is, is every week we predict the starting lineup. And then at the okay. end of the season, whoever has the most total points gets something. So it can be a little bit bigger prize than just uh, a one week thing. But but yeah, it's it's gonna be a guessing game all season as long especially if everybody stays healthy. But but going back to the goalie real quick and, and I'm just gonna throw my pitch out there for why I think it's Phil. Um you know, the last two matches that we've been able to watch, Phil has impressed me more with not only his shot stopping, but we, we know as a goalie, shot stopping is only part of the equation. Like you you have to organize the defense, you gotta communicate, and and Phil Phil was way more vocal than Alex was. Um if I look at specifically the match that we mean you were at. You know, Phil Phil was on our side, yes, and Alex came in in the second half and was on the far side. But Alex also didn't have hardly anything to do that second half of that FC Tulsa game because we had or FC Tucson game because we had the ball so much. But then they switched uh, sides, and we saw Alex on our end for that half United, half uh, or half first team, half academy game, and um, he did not look comfortable with that. Um, now. Yes, we talked about um, at the match. We talked about how one of the one of the the right back was was a liability, and both goals that Alex gave up came from that right side, um, from Alex's right side, and and maybe that's all it was. But just from what I have seen, and then also I'm I'm biased because I was upset when they announced Alex as the new number one right off the bat, anyways because I thought Phil deserved a chance. And I think Phil has done very well with his chance. He stopped two penalties this preseason. He stopped a number of other shots um, and has just looked good um, throughout this, throughout the preseason. So I think it's big Phil that gets the chance, gets the chance, but I I know that they probably also paid Alex quite a bit of money uh, relative to big Phil's contract to, to bring him in to replace Cody and and they probably want to get as much out of him as they can for that much money. So I could see him starting. And I honestly, I don't think he would go wrong with either one. But that's that's another position where what is what is Troy going to do when you have somebody that's been with the club for three years? Uh, well, this is his third year because Phil was with the club that first year, even if he didn't play, he wasn't on the roster. He was still with the club. You know, you have this guy that has worked his butt off for two years for you going into the third year. You, he, he finds out the Cody news presumably before us or when we find out and, you know, he's got to be thinking, all right, this is my chance. 
I'm going to finally get a chance. You know, he wasn't replacing Cody. Um, that just wasn't going to happen. So, you know, he's, he's finally like, okay, here, we're going to get our chance. And then you bring in this guy that has been one of the best goaltenders in the USL. You know, how does Troy juggle keeping a guy who's always been the number one and Alex happy while also trying to keep Phil happy with Phil being here for three years and thinking he's finally going to get a chance and, and not doing anything bad to get rid of that chance. You know, it's, it's, it's a very, it's going to be juggling egos is going to be hard in that room for the goalkeepers, I think. Yeah, there, there's just there's so much to do, and yeah, it's again I, another reason why I just I wouldn't want to be Troy this season. You know, yes, I would love to be. You know, I would love to be the coach out there on the pitch. You know, and and give my two cents and and all that. But we're just armchair quarterbacks, basically. We're armchair coaches. We're you know we're Sunday afternoon or Tuesday night, you know, coaches, I should say. And it's gonna be interesting to see what Troy puts out there. Um, I haven't looked to see the exact kickoff time yet for Saturday's match. 6.30. Um, 6.30. All right. So we'll, we'll find out the lineup around 5.30 Saturday evening. And there'll be lots of discussion about that on next week's show. Uh, Jacob, before we get out of here, let's get your final score prediction. Earlier you said 4-0. Is that your final prediction for this week? Yeah, that's what it is, man. I think uh, I think Amando gets on the sheet. I get – I think um, – one of the wingbacks, whether it's Harry or Brucey or Suggs, um, gets on the sheet. And then I think we see some random midfielder. Maybe Tenari gets on the sheet with some some random tap-in or something like that. And then I think we see some subs, and I think Brown gets on the sheet. So uh, Amando, Tenari, Brown, and for the sake of actually having a fourth name instead of just a position, I will say Swartz. <laughs> all right uh i don't think i'm necessarily gonna go that far i don't well i think four nil is definitely possible i think i think getting back into the league play is gonna be a different monster i think there's gonna be a different level of intensity about it um i could see three nil i can't i can't quite go four nil i just think three nil is nice nice number right there yeah, I just think that's where it's going to end up. Uh, I think we see Brian get on the sheet, cello, and uh, we'll say uh, Schmidt gets another header. How about that? Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that – so So my reasoning behind the 4-0 is, is yes, it's going to be a different monster, but I think they're going to – I think we're going to be amped up for it as well. And I could see us jumping on RGV early. Maybe Amando scores in inside of ten minutes, um, and then maybe right before halftime we get another one, and everybody's feeling good, nice and loose, kind of very similar to the uh, Colorado Springs match, where it, it, except for we won't give up a goal in that in this scenario. You know, we we score early, we score later in the first half, and then and then the second half's just you know RGV's pushing and trying to score. Uh, to get back into the match, and we take advantage of that with the Brian Brown um, kind of counterattack type, you know, get him in some open space, see what he does there. And um, and then I really think that United just wants to come out and make a statement. 
and wants to say, hey, uh, last year we were good, this year we're better, uh, and a lot better. And instead of fighting for to win our group, we're going to fight to win the West, and we're going to be right there when it comes down to the end. And yes, it's RGV. So if you if you beat RGV 2 nothing or 2-1 or 3-1, you know, it's not going to turn any heads. 4 nothing might not even turn any heads, but it, it's a statement win to start the season. And I, I think El Paso next year, next week will be a completely different story. I'm not, unless we go out and win 7 nothing, I'm not going to say we're going to win 4 nothing against El Paso. But, uh, but as for this match against RGV, making a statement in the first match of the season, I, I think they're going to want to come out and perform. I, I, I think they're going to want to come out and say, hey, preseason wasn't a fluke. We're here to stay. I have one final question for you. And I think it's a little bit of a longer view. Uh, Saturday, May 15th, first home match in well over a year against Austin Bold. Are we undefeated when Austin comes in? And how many fans do you think we're going to have at the lab? So if by undefeated you mean we will not have lost, then yes. I'm not going to go out and say that we will have six points quite yet. I want to see um, want to see how we look against RGV. There, El Paso does not play until the 8th, so that is El Paso's first match of the season. Um, so we won't. I won't have anything to go off of... Um, for their regular season, uh, since they don't have another one before that. But um, I, I think at worst for El Paso, we draw. I don't think we lose that match. Um, so worst case scenario, we're coming in with four points. Best case, we're coming in with six. Um, so, so I will say we're undefeated. I will not say we have two wins yet. And then as far as the, the number of fans there, man, they're sold out. It's 30, 32, 3, something like that. Um, they're going to have, uh, it's, it's not going to be 15,000. It's not going to be 12,000, but it'll still be loud. I can almost guarantee you that. And, uh, and the atmosphere is still going to be jamming no matter what. Um, even if we come in losing to RGV and losing to El Paso, I think the environment's still going to be jamming and there's still going to be 3000 screaming fans there, but I, that is definitely a date that is, that is circled in my calendar that, you know, God willing, we get some media passes for it and can go cover it. And hopefully we can all be there. And if not, uh, we'll have to fist fight for which of us three get to go. <laughs> so I haven't actually looked at the seating chart. I wasn't, you know, I didn't get into the the, the, the ticket uh, seller for that. Are they putting everyone in the grandstand or are there folks out on the berm? Do you know? I, I don't know about the berm. Um, I hog, I logged in um, before they sold out the first match and, and looked around and, and there was not a lot of seats available. There was a handful here and there, a couple here and there, but not a whole lot. So I went to the second match and they had quite a few tickets available for it at the time. But I still don't remember Berm being an option to buy. Okay. Um, I was curious about that because I, I think I feel like if you've got 
if they're trying to put all these folks in the stands and the grandstands, that you're going to get a much better noise, a much better sound from the, from the crowd than you would if you've got folks spread all the way around the berm. Yeah. And, and uh, I just, I want to, I want to say that, you know, since I've been back on Facebook, I've seen some folks over in the Mexico United nation making posts saying that they bought tickets for one game, but didn't, but, uh, but made the conscious decision to not buy them for uh, like game two, game three here at home in order to let other people buy tickets, which I just, Hmm. I don't, I don't remember names uh, and I apologize, but for those of you that have done that, that have willingly given up tickets or the opportunity to buy tickets so that others can purchase tickets to get out there and, and see the, see the club in person. Like I can I salute you. Like, thank you guys so much for doing that and being, you know, a community and understanding just how important this is to so many people and allow, you know, so allowing others the opportunity to, to get out there and experience something that we haven't seen in over a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's part of part of this family is is uh, the good people that that do that kind of stuff and and I I've even seen lately that hey we've got two extra tickets to, to game one we're looking for extra tickets to game two and somebody hop in the comments and say hey I've got two extra tickets to game two but I need tickets for game one we'll just go together for both matches and and it's uh it's good things man it's it. It's going to be a lot of fun. They've only sold matches for the first. They've only sold sold tickets to the first two matches, so that's going to be May fifteenth against Austin, and then May 29th against Loudon. Um, and we get to welcome Sammy Sergi to the lab. Hopefully, he can can actually play a match, play that match there, and and I hope he gets a a welcome a welcome receiving there, but. You know, we've got a lot, a lot to go before we get to that. It's a month away before we get to Loudon coming to to the lab. So, um, with that, I, I don't think I've got anything else. Um, we've we've got our score predictions. Uh, Earl uh, Earl texted me earlier, um, said fifteen uh, nothing. Uh, believe it or not, for New Mexico United, <laughs> um, and he said every player except for the goalies score. Uh, which which is more than 15 so i don't know how he came up with that but um yeah so so earl with the big number there you thought my number was big um now he thinks everybody you get a goal you get a goal and you get a goal and uh and so it's a bold strategy cotton let's see if it it pays off there I can't help but wonder if Earl thinks that uh, that keepers can't score. But if that's the case, I have to point them to. Uh, I believe it was a a chant. Was it the Champions League match? No, uh, over the over this past weekend, where a keeper scored a header in the final seconds of a match. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm so, just kidding. Uh, Earl, you know. Earl didn't text me that. Uh, that. I just made that up. But um, I, I do think Earl is probably pretty bullish on United's chances and. And I think the three nil, four nil score line that we have between the two of us, he'd he'd side with one of us. I I do believe. I don't know if he'd go five. I don't think he'd be that brave. But um, uh, yeah, we missed him this week. But he'll he'll, he'll be back on. He'll be on to to break down this match. Uh, to talk a little NFL draft. To to look ahead to the much anticipated El Paso match. And um, yeah, it's here. We've been waiting months for it to get here. You know, we the the season basically ended the same time it normally would, but it started two months later. So um, we should are well a month later. Sorry, so we should already be 
no, two months, because it usually starts in March. Uh, so yeah, two months, two months later than it usually does. So, so it's been a long off season, but the wait is finally over. Um, Saturday, May first, six thirty. Catch it on ESPN Plus. Um, yeah, you you can finally watch New Mexico United play uh, a meaningful match and and hopefully come away with that W and that shutout like we we just talked. Oh, sorry, clean sheet. Sorry, clean sheet. Soccer fans, uh, or sorry, I messed up. Football fans. Sorry, uh, I know I know how picky some of you guys can get, but um, no, it's it's going to be great. Um, you know, we've already had more media interaction with the team this year than we did last year. Um, all of last year, that is. So, so you know, we've gotten to hear Brucey. I've I've heard Brucey talk a couple times. I've heard Kalen talk. I've interviewed. You know, I was at the pre or media day where they had a few other players and coaches and Peter and, and um, I, I'm excited to see what we can, we can accomplish this year as a, as a at entity, whatever you want to call us, whether it's media outlet or, or a blog, uh, whatever you want to call us. I don't know. I don't know what exactly we are. I just know that we love New Mexico United. We love to cover them. Uh, we love this state and this community. Uh, we love each other. And, um, and I can't wait to to be able to watch this match and then in a couple of weeks' time be able to watch, hopefully watch a home match in the lab with you and Earl uh, right there with me. So with that, Seth, I'll hand it off to you for a second if you got anything else. Um, yeah, I, I just I have, I echo those sentiments. We're excited. We can't wait. You know, we are... We're going to do everything we can to work with the club to get you guys interviews and get access and be at the matches. Uh, Jacob and I, we've been talking. We've got some ideas of things that we want to do if we can both get out there. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, still a lot of stuff up in the air. It's going to be dependent on on the club and isotopes management and what they decide to do as far as media access. And the governor. Um, and the governor, yeah. I mean, With these and you regulations, guys, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you guys out there too. I mean, Bernalillo County is still in the yellow. I mean, come on guys, we can do it. You know, mask up, get your vaccinations, whatever. You know, I've had my first dose. Jacob and Earl are both are fully vaccinated or about to be fully vaccinated. Yeah, um, we are. So like, I think we're, we uh, are. we're doing it. We're doing everything we can, you know? Uh, but yeah, we, we want to be out there. We want to see you guys. We want to see this club. So uh, keep at it guys. And hopefully we'll see you guys in three weeks out of the lab for Austin bold two and a half. We'll say two and a half, two and a half. But yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's it guys. Uh, catch us here. Hey, I'll say every Tuesday night at nine 30. Um, we're still working on how to, how to fully do the during season, uh, podcast. And, and we might be changing things up every once in a while and seeing what goes on. But, but what we do know is next Tuesday at 9.30, we will be here live on YouTube. Uh, you can come check us out. And then uh, for those of you that don't do not do the live podcast on YouTube, which I'm not one of them personally. I don't I don't watch many podcasts. I, I prefer to listen to my podcast. If I wanted to listen, watch a podcast, I'd watch a show um, for the most part. But um, it's, it's also fun to interact with the podcast. So, so you can always come on. You can chat with us on YouTube there. And send us questions in the chat. We'll answer them live, um, as long as we see them and 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 whatnot. So, 
next Tuesday, 9.30, YouTube, be there. Uh, and if not, for those listening, rate, review, uh, subscribe, download. Um, you know, it, it, we want as many people to listen to this as, as we can get, obviously. Um, obviously, it's not for selfish reasons because we don't get paid uh, for any of this. So it's not like a listener gets us paid. It's just we, we like to talk United and we like for people to hear us talk United and we want interaction. And to get interaction, we need some more listeners to, to be interacting with. So uh, share it if you listen to it. You know, Let us know that you listen to it. Message us, rate, review, uh, like I said. Um, and, and we're going to keep doing for you, keep doing this for whoever's listening. If it's five people or if it's 50 people or if it's 500 people, we're going to, we're going to keep doing this because it's something that we love and, and something that we love to do. So catch us on social media, Somos Moss and him across all platforms. Message us uh, if you got any questions or concerns or comments, whatever, we'd like to hear from you. And uh, until next week, guys, uh, go United, get that W and three points and uh, Somos Unidos. You've been listening to Somos Moss, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.